0: Today, we're talking about Andrew Tate officially being charged, the disturbing truth about the Titanic submersible that's gone missing, Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, and RFK Jr. are dogpiling on a vaccine scientist, Fox News, of all places, just destroyed Donald Trump, and so much more on your brand new Philip DeFranco show, your daily dive into the news. So let's just jump into it. Starting with this missing sub situation is complete nightmare fuel. You've likely at least heard about it, but let's break down the details. Because right now, five people are either dead or dying. This right, so is the sub. It's operated by Oceangate Expeditions, a company that does deep sea adventures for tourists, and ever since 2021, has been making annual trips to the wreck of the Titanic. And they've been doing that with their submersible called Titan, which dove off the coast of southeastern Canada yesterday morning. It's got about as much space inside as a minivan with 5-inch thick carbon fiber capped on each end by a dome of titanium to keep its five crew members safe. And what distinguishes a submersible from a submarine is that the former relies on a surface vessel or a platform. But about an hour and 45 minutes after diving, Titan's surface vessel lost contact with it, so the U.S. and Canadian Coast Guards began a joint search operation, with boats, radar-equipped planes, and sonar buoys getting deployed to the area but finding nothing as of this recording. Now, according to ocean gate the sub is designed to hold 96 hours of emergency oxygen and as of this morning the operations chief said that they estimate between 70 and the full 96 hours were left you had the u.s coast guard later saying today they believe they have around 40 hours left but even with that you have people saying even if they were found down there how do you get them back right the Titanic sits at 13,000 feet below sea level a depth that's extremely remote high pressure and deeply freezing which regarding that last note if the sub suffered a power outage it's believed the crew could freeze to death before they even ran out of oxygen that said officials are reportedly working to get a remotely operated vehicle that can go down deep enough to search for the sub underwater. But again, that's just the search because even if they find it, What do you actually do? Especially as you have experts noting how many fail safes the submersible had and openly theorizing that what may have happened was an implosion. But again, right now we do not know. And so obviously you have so many people concerned and worried, though I I do need to know not everybody. If you go on social media right now, there are a fair number of posts celebrating this story and pointing out that the crew members are extremely wealthy, right? Each seat costing $250,000, Though typically only three passengers are paying customers. The other two are the pilot and the so-called content expert, basically a scientist or a researcher. So regarding the people on board, we know one of them is Hamish Harding, a 59-year-old British billionaire and explorer. When I say explorer, I really mean it. He has three different adventure-related Guinness World Records. He went to Antarctica with Buzz Aldrin. He dove off the lowest depth of the Mariana Trench and spent over four hours there. And most recently, he went on one of the Blue Origin suborbital space flights.
1: Three, two, one. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Also
0: regarding the other passengers, Harding said before the mission that retired French Navy commander Paul Henri Arjolet would be on board, with Ocean Gate advertising him as one of its content experts. He's 77 years old. He was on the first expedition to visit the wreck back in 1987. He currently directs underwater research of the company that owns the rights to the Titanic. The crew also reportedly includes Shazada Dawood, one of Pakistan's richest men and his 19-year-old son. And then finally, the fifth crew member is Ocean Gate's CEO himself, Stockton Rush, who reportedly goes on every Titanic mission. Well, obviously, this news is so incredibly shocking to hear. You have a lot of people saying, if we look back now, Retrospectively, it's not that shocking. With people, among other things, pointing to this now viral CBS segment from last year in which a reporter noted how improvised the sub appeared, saying it seemed to have, quote, elements of MacGyver jerry-riggedness with lighting from Camping World and construction pipes as ballast. People also pointing to the fact that they steered the craft using a video game controller. Though when researching this story, I found out that's not a weird thing. With that controller apparently standard use for submarines, tanks, drones, and other things for the military. People also focusing on the reporter reading the paperwork he had to sign before the trip. An experimental submersible vessel that has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma or death. With the also reporting that the surface ship guides a sub to the wreck via text communication and their communication somehow broke down. And their sub reportedly never finding the wreck, instead just getting lost for two and a half hours. So they did, eventually the next day, dive again and did find the Titanic. And in that same story, Rush defended his company. The
1: pressure vessel is not MacGyver at all because that's where we work with Boeing and NASA and the University of Washington. Everything else can fail your thrusters can go your lights can go you're still going to be safe
0: but ultimately that's where we are right now in this developing situation while things seem very much hopeless i'm hoping for the best and then this is a quick scheduling update for all you beautiful bastards since monday of course there was no video it was a holiday and there being so much news so much so i couldn't even get to everything that i wanted to today there's gonna be bonus morning philip defranco shows this week starting tomorrow where among other things we're gonna talk about hunter biden that whole plea deal everything going down so ideally just make sure you're subscribed to this channel ideally you have notifications turned on otherwise just come back tomorrow morning I'll be Gaming for like eight a.m., nine a.m. Pacific, and then Andrew Tate is now free from the uncertainty over what's going to happen with the possible charges because he has now officially been charged in Romania. But right, he was arrested back in December of last year, moved to house arrest later, and now he has officially been charged with rape, human trafficking, and forming a criminal group to exploit women. But he's not alone with this because his brother and their two female associates are also facing those same charges. And according to a press release from investigative authorities in Romania, Tate and company allegedly lured victims by saying they wanted to pursue a romantic relationship with them, only for them to then use acts of violence and mental to force them to make pornographic content. With press release also singling out one defendant in particular for forcing a victim to have repeated sexual relations in March of 2022. And while it did not specifically name who, the Washington Post reviewed court documents stating that Andrew Tate himself was being investigated for two incidents of rape that month. But with this, unsurprisingly, Tate is once again denying the allegations with reps of both brothers vowing to demonstrate their innocence and vindicate their reputation. With Andrew Tate also responding on Twitter, writing, men, this isn't about me. This isn't about whether you like me or not. This is about all of us. Today it's me, tomorrow it's you. Nobody is safe from the these lies. But as far as where things stand now, uh, do not expect anything to be rushed. But a Romanian judge now has 60 days to review the case before it can go to trial. But even with that, uh, don't hold your breath because you have the BBC news saying it could take several years to play out. And then, chemicals in the water are turning young boys trans and routine vaccines are connected to the rise of autism. Those are just two things that have been suggested by the person at the center of this misinformation story, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Though currently, he's in the news for a different vaccine story. Because this one starts with a Vice article calling out Spotify and Joe Rogan for platforming RFK Jr. on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. And in the article, they say their conversation allowed for a detailed survey of Kennedy's most dangerously incorrect views, all of which Rogan accepted uncritically. But some saying they weren't surprised by that, given how Rogan in the past has done a number of things, including talking about the COVID vaccine by saying, If
2: you're like 21 years old, and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I I go, no. This is
0: really gene therapy it's a different thing which to be clear according to an overwhelming number of the experts in that actual field is not true But regarding this recent podcast you had vaccine scientist peter hotez sharing that vice article over the weekend with key thing hotez being part of a nobel prize nominated group that made an affordable and accessible covid vaccine and in his post linking to the vice article he called out vaccine misinformation saying rogan's podcast with rfk jr was just awful and adding. And from all the online attacks i'm receiving after this absurd podcast it's clear many actually believe this nonsense and that leading to an absolutely wild pile on it starting. Simple enough, Joe Rogan himself responding, saying, Peter, if you claim what RFK Jr. is saying is misinformation, I am offering you $100,000 to the charity of your choice if you're willing to debate him on my show with no time limit. With Hotez replying, Joe, you have my cell, my email, I'm always willing to speak with you. Or Rogan calling that a non-answer. Saying, I challenged you publicly because you publicly quote tweeted and agreed with that shit Vice article. If you're really serious about what you stand for, you now have a massive opportunity for a debate that will reach the largest audience a discussion like this has ever had. Which Hotez responded by saying that if Joe is serious about addressing vaccines and the fact that 200 thousand unvaccinated Americans needlessly died during COVID surges after falling victim to vaccine misinformation, he would have that conversation. With which Rogan then just doubled down on asking if Hotez would debate RFK Jr. And this back and forth blew the fuck up. With people yes defending Hotez, but a ton of people dogpiling on top of him. Even Elon Musk, who famously declared that COVID would be over by April of 2020, decided he was qualified to hop in as well, writing that Hotez is afraid of a public debate because he knows he's wrong. Though regarding having a conversation about this topic, you had Hotez later telling MSNBC he offered to go on Joe Rogan, but didn't Wanted want it to turn into a Jerry Springer episode by also having RFK Jr. on. And again, as that's happening, this whole ordeal is just growing and growing, turning into this massive online frenzy. People pushing for him to be in this debate, though others defending him, saying this is a bad idea. Writing things like, so Joe Rogan insisting Peter Hotez debate, notorious anti-vaccine spoof for RFK Jr. shows Rogan fails to grasp debate is only useful if conducted in good faith. If one party lies, you're just giving them a vehicle to spread that lie to detriment of understanding. And some claiming that this attack against Hotez is a calculated effort by hack GOP partisans and anti-vax conspiracy theorists, saying it's more than vile, and it'll devastate responses to the next pandemic. Or with the general idea of this belief being, you don't have an expert debate a conspiracy theorist on a massive platform because they're being seen as equals. It just validates and elevates the conspiracy theory, especially if your moderator is someone that has a side on this. Also, with a situation we saw things spilling over into the real world, with Hotez being confronted and harassed at his own home by people, and Hotez telling the Washington Post he had just picked up a Father's Day cake when two people accosted him as he walked into his home, saying he shoved a cell phone camera in my face and asked if I would debate RFK on Rogan. They were clearly lying in wait, and saying the anti-vaccine attack usually come in waves of aggression, and this one is about as bad as it's been in the last 20 years. And so with all this, you had people obviously condemning those who were harassing him, but also going even further and saying, hey, the the likes of Rogan and Musk, they're encouraging and inciting this behavior. And then, listen, I truly believe that staying as healthy as you can is crucial. But also, I understand that finding a trusted doctor and finding the time to talk to them can be a challenge. But that's also where the fantastic partner and sponsor of today's show comes in, ZocDoc. Finding the doctor that's right for you is seamless. The quality care that you need is just a few taps away in the ZocDoc app, because it makes finding quality care so much easier, saving you hours that you would have spent trying to find the right doctor. And ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. Also, I gotta say, uploading and verifying your insurance information to ensure you're covered is one of my favorite features. And you know, millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood. You'll find thousands of medical professionals there to help you and they listen like a friend and give you the expert care you need. Basically, with ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your new favorite doctor that you haven't met yet. So just go to ZocDoc.com slash and down download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today with many available within 24 hours. That's zocdoccom dot com slash Phil, slash Phil. And then, I'm so sorry, but we have to talk about this. The, the headline starts with sadistic monkey torture exposed. Because after being investigated by authorities from around the world, including the Department of Homeland Security, there was a horrible monkey torture ring with hundreds of customers that was discovered. I'm not gonna get too detailed here because those details are absolutely sickening, but the, the TLDR is that a group of men in Indonesia would take baby long tail macaques and torture them. And that involved everything from teasing their bottles away to them cutting off parts and worse, oftentimes killing them. With the videos originally starting on YouTube but eventually going off platform onto places like Telegram. Three key individuals acting as video distributors, these including Americans like Mike McCartney, a former biker gang member, who one, uh, just so happens to look like a guy who would sell monkey torture videos, and two, described this as no different than drug money. Saying drug money comes from dirty hands, this money comes from bloody hands. With McCartney actually being just one of a handful of Americans being investigated by the Department of Homeland Security for their involvement in the Ring. That including Stacey Story, whose phone was seized by DHS agents and found to have nearly 100 torture videos alongside evidence that she had paid for some of the worst ones. So she claims she is the victim of a hack, though of course that would be a very weird and specific hack, but that's her claim. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to the people being accused here, because as one DHS special agent put it, I don't know if anybody would ever be ready for a crime like this. The same with the attorneys and the juries and anybody who reads that this is going on. It's going to be a shocker, I think. But I'm also warning that if you participated in this at all, expect a knock on your door. And so far, this seems to be very much the case regardless of where you're from because even in Indonesia there have been arrests made of some of the worst offenders. And with that I would like to just volunteer myself if possible. Right, if one of the punishments can be uh throw rocks at the faces of the people responsible for this I have a pretty decent throw. I'm no Otani but if uh, if you put me close enough I can do the job. And then <laughs> Fox News may have just helped Donald Trump completely screw himself because yesterday they aired this absolutely unhinged interview Trump did with Brett Baer and uh among other things it appears that he pretty much just admitted to mishandling classified documents on television. And in this you know Brett's asking him some pretty strange straightforward question, asking why do you have these very sensitive national security defense documents like the war plans for a strike in Iran, to which Trump responds.
1: So like every other president, I take things out. And in my case, I took it out pretty much in a hurry, but people packed it up and we we left. And I had clothing in there, I had all sorts of personal items and there, much, much stuff. Uh, As far as the levels and all, everything was declassified because I had the right to declassify. I have every right. To have those boxes. This is purely a Presidential Records Act. This is not a criminal thing.
0: With Trump, they're going on to claim hey, this is a very simple situation. The only way the National Archives and Records Administration, aka NARA, could have gotten the boxes back is if they had asked me. To which Brett responds by pointing out hey, NARA did ask for those boxes back, but you refused to return them. But then Trump, seeming to admit that he kept the classified documents in his possession even after the DOJ subpoenaed him so he could uh, separate out personal items that he claims were among the records. We
2: they were did talking, ask for it. No, and they said, I gave can you them- give us them- the documents, back, and we were talking, and then they said they went to DOJ to subpoena you to get them which back. they've never done before, right? And In but why things, not just hand them over then? Because I had uh, boxes,
1: I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out, I don't want to hand that over to NARA yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but according to the indictment,
2: you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes
1: were interspersed with all sorts of things. Uh, Golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. I would say much, much more. Not that I know of, but not that I know of but everything was declassified.
0: And Bayer continuing to press Trump on the alleged Iran war document. And for some quick context there, what he is talking about here is arguably the most damning part of the entire indictment against Trump. Because in the indictment, prosecutors specifically flagged two examples where they say that Trump showed people classified documents. We've talked about it on the show, the first instance taking place in July of 2021, when he gave an interview to an author of a forthcoming book while two staffers were present. And then a transcript from the interview, which Donald Trump knew was being recorded, he can be heard greeting the group by saying he's found a senior military official's plan of attack for a foreign country. With it being widely reported that the official is former chairman of the joint chiefs of staff general mark milley and the country in question is iran and in this transcript he repeatedly describes them as highly confidential and secret and later he and his staffer are literally heard talking about needing to declassify the materials they're discussing which is when trump says the now infamous line as president i could have declassified it now i can't you know but this is still a secret which of course is absolutely key because it completely contradicts trump's previous argument that he had declassified all the documents he had and so in this interview we have bear reading that part of the indictment back to trump and then asking why he even had this document when he knew that he couldn't declassify. It, which is when we see Trump try to change tactics.
1: When I said that I couldn't declassify it now, that's because I wasn't president. I, I never made any bones about that. When I'm not president, I can't declassify it. that's right. what
2: you said. You didn't said declassify that. it. I said that.
1: I said no, no. I said I couldn't declassify could de- it. that wasn't a document, Brett. There was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories an article. that also
0: appears to be a load of bullshit because not only did Trump not present any evidence, it's also pretty fucking obvious he wasn't talking about newspaper clipping. I haven't gotten a physical magazine in a while, but uh, what magazine article do you show people that is confidential and secret? So with this interview, it wasn't just the things pertaining to the legal problems that Donald Trump's facing that went viral. Easily my favorite non-legal moment from this interview is where Bear challenges Trump regarding his hiring practices. In 2016, you said that.
2: I'm going to surround myself with only the best and most serious people. Well, I did do that. And this time, we had a tremendous. Look, we had the best economy we've ever had. The this world time, has ever seen. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned national security advisor, John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr. Uh, says you shouldn't be president again. Uh, calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, Barr a, a gutless pig. Uh, You're second defense secretary is not supporting you, called you irresponsible. This week you and your white house called your white house chief of staff john kelly weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first secretary of state, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock, and your first defense secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House press secretary, Kayla Canadian, milk toast, and multiple times you've referred to your transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China-loving wife. So. Why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired 10 to one that were fantastic.
0: Also, a thing I need to stress here is these are just some of the examples of Trump totally fumbling the interview. For the sake of time, I'm just trying to make this consumable, but it was so Bad. I mean, you even had many prominent conservative figures pointing out how bad it went. I'm talking about how it seems like Trump just basically incriminated himself. And then noting that Trump's comments here could likely end up being shown to a jury in his case. Which on that note, we also got the news today that the judge overseeing the documents case has set a trial date for August. Which is very significant because it represents a very aggressive and fast moving schedule. Though notably here, that is the attempt. It's widely expected that the initial date will be pushed back by pretrial litigation from Trump's team. And then, right, so what we're learning now is that in 2020, Putin ordered his intelligence services to cross a red line, kill a Russian informant for the CIA, in Miami. With Alexander Poteyev being a high-ranking Russian intelligence officer who flipped back in 1999 and began working with the CIA. In 2001, he signed a contract with the CIA that was reportedly worth somewhere between 2 to $5 million. And while being a CIA informant, he helped the U.S. arrest 11 Russian spies who were living under deep cover in suburbs and cities on the East Coast. Spies who had assumed false names and lived regular lives, right? They were sleeper agents. In fact, the spy bus was the inspiration for the TV show The Americans. And so Alexander fled to the U.S. before he could be arrested for this betrayal, and upon arrival, he joined the CIA's version of the Witness Protection Program. But they made him disappear. He took a different name for a period of time. He lived a regular life. And Russia had sent intelligence operators to America to find him and presumably kill him, with one Kremlin official suggesting they would have sent a hitman after him, but they couldn't find him. That is, until he registered as a Republican so he could vote and took out a fishing license in his real name in 2016. And that's when Russia forced a Mexican scientist to help them. Hector Fuentes, he was a Mexican citizen who studied in Russia, also had two wives. One who notably was Russian and lived in Germany. One who lived in Mexico. And when Fuentes's Russian wife and kids visited Russia in 2019, the authorities refused to allow her to go back to Germany. Fuentes then goes. Going to Russia to visit them, hopefully get them back. But when he arrived, he was told a Russian official wanted to see him in Moscow, who then told him, we can help each other. And so they told Fuentes, you have to get this condo in Miami Beach, where Potoyev lives. But then ordered to find his car, obtain his license plate number, note its physical location, and did not take any pictures. What did he do? Uh, he took pictures, of course. He botched the whole operation by trying to tailgate a vehicle into the apartment complex. which then alerted security, who told him to leave, but not before his wife took a photo of Potoyev's license plate. And two days later, when he tried to fly to Mexico, Customs and Border Patrol stopped him and searched his phone where they found a picture of the license plate. When Fuentes was arrested, uh, he sang like a canary. He told the investigators everything, and it turns out that Fuentes didn't even know who he was targeting or their significance. Or rather, he was just following orders from Russia's SVR in exchange for letting his wife and kids go home. But that excuse didn't stop a punishment, with Fuentes being sentenced to prison for four years and one day. And as far as the bigger picture, this whole revelation of the plot to kill Portyev elicited a harsh response from the U.S., who imposed sanctions and expelled 10 Russian diplomats, including the chief of the SVR station. And in response, Russia kicked out 10 American diplomats and the head of the CIA's Moscow office. And that is where today's Daily Dive is gonna end. But remember, because we took Monday off. there's so much more news we got to get to i'm giving you even more videos this week starting with what essentially is a bonus pds tomorrow morning to talk about what's happening with hunter biden among other news but as always my name's philip defranco you've just been filled in i love yo faces and i'll see you tomorrow